Hi, and thanks for listening to the Turtle Talks podcast, a podcast which will cover the comings and goings of the Happy Dancing Turtle Garden crew through the upcoming year. We'll cover topics ranging from planning your garden to putting your garden to bed. Now, to learn more about us, go to happydancingturtle.org. Now, let's get started. didn't turn out very well unless we had the thing right up to our lips so uh let's just practice that when we do it does that make sense sure. but anyway okay well hey guys uh thanks for joining in uh welcome back to uh turtle talks with the garden crew the hgt bi-weekly podcast that is going to cover everything um, that we do during the season uh joining me today is jim chamberlain the food and water security coordinator uh allison ryan the uh, garden assistant Program assistant, food and water security assistant, and uh, and and David Wilson. He's the uh, gardening guru as well. Specialist. Specialist. I don't know your. <laughs> gardening grounds. Gardening grounds. That's very official. I like it. Um, last week we did a short introduction on who we were, and this week I wanted to make sure that well, <laughs> there are so many topics that we want to cover. Um, for, you know, first things first, you know, we, there's so many things to learn about uh, when you're doing a garden. And uh, we want to, 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 to boil it down to what's uh, very important, you know, stuff that you'll actually use, something that, uh, that will help you um, grow your gardening knowledge. Now, among these things is companion planting, cover crops, even mycorrhizae, things that are absolutely uh, important. But I was uh, told that we can't do any of those first. We need to do soil health. This is the number one thing that we need to cover first, simply because all these other topics uh, bounce off of, or spring out of, I should say, soil health, proper soil health. They grow out of healthy soil, yes. <laughs> so what we're gonna do now is we're going to kind of educate you a little bit this week. We're going to show you or talk to you a little bit about the importance of soil health and what, um, w what, it, what it means for your garden and what it means for a lot of things, actually. So um, first things first, we're going to actually talk to Jim about kind of defining what soil health is. Soil health is defined simply as the ability of soil to, to cycle uh, water and nutrients. Um, pretty simple definition. Um, so how that happens is not quite so simple. Um, if you consider all aspects of, of nutrient exchange and all the stuff that happens around um, nutrient balancing and all that, as well as um, you know the ability of, water, of soil to hold water um, <coughs> in an available form for the plant. So. Um, yeah, that's the definition that the Natural Resource Conservation, the USDA Natural Resource Conservation uses, um, and it's pretty simple. Well, um, all right, so when we were in kindergarten, you guys remember going to uh, class and they kind of taught you how, uh, what, what a plant needs to grow, right? You know, that's it. three things basically. It needs water, uh, it needs sunlight, and it needs dirt, food, and oxygen. You're right. So four things. Um, so why are we focusing mainly on the soil then, not just the dirt? 
why, why, uh, why is soil health something that we should be focusing on instead of, say, you know, proper water, uh, stuff like that? Well, it, it, that comes out of the definition, soil health and the ability to, to cycle those nutrients and the water along with the good, healthy soil with good aggregate allows the, the exchange of, of um, carbon dioxide and oxygen in the soil profile so that plants can, so the plant, plant roots can breathe and don't get inundated with, um, don't get um, inundated during heavy rainfalls, um, the soil doesn't saturate as easy, um, that kind of stuff. So, so Jim, um, from what you're telling me, it looks like you think soil health is, is really important. What are some things that we can do to make sure that in our backyard we can have proper soil health? Well, first of all, it's not just that I think soil health is important. The Natural Resource Conservation Service has adopted the Soil Health Initiative nationwide, the Soil Conservation District, the, the National Association of Soil and Water Conservation Districts has adopted a soil health resolution um, speaking to the, the virtues and the importance of soil health. Um, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization has a, has a f soil health policy. So this isn't coming from Jim. This isn't Jim's idea. <laughs> but um, the Natural Resource Conservation Service speaks to um, four soil health principles. Um, the first one um, is minimize tillage. Yeah, I know most of them. I could look at the notes, but I think I know them. I just thought in case they get lost. Don't want to miss any. Um, the first one's minimize tillage. So um, anytime you break up that soil profile, and that soil structure, you can do damage to the soil. You can affect the biology and, and the soil structure. Um, and I'll let Allison talk about the second one. The second one is increase diversity. And this, um, by having a diverse crop or plants um, in the soil, you are encouraging diversity in those microorganisms, fungi, the macro organisms as well, like the earthworms and the vertebrates. Um, all of these things, it's important to have a variety and, um, and build the community of the soil. And increasing diversity of your plantings increases the diversity in the soil under the ground. This one covered is, is the third soil health principle. Um, and it's, it's fairly simple. Um, nature abhors a vacuum. So um, very seldom do you see exposed soil in any of our temperate climates, um, you know, with the exception of maybe a desert um, where plants don't grow. But in general, anytime you see a disturbance from, a, say, a mudslide or, or some, kind of a, um, some kind of a disturbance, it doesn't take long before those, those so-called weeds start to move in and then the brambles and eventually um, grasses and then um, shrubs and trees. Um, so nature likes to be covered. So keeping the soil covered keeps the soil warm so that, or keeps the soil temperature more stable so that it makes for better habitat for those microorganisms in the soil and um, prevents erosion, um, prevents evaporation of the moisture from the, from the soil, that kind of stuff. It feeds the microbes. It protects the microbes. Yeah. The microbes feed on the detritus. So if you have like a living, uh, if you have a mulch, um, that that provides some food to some of those microorganisms as well. What number are we on? Number four. 
The fourth principle is keep living roots in the ground. The microorganisms have a symbiotic relationship with the plants and the plant roots. If you take those away, you're taking away their shelter and their food source, and those microorganisms are going to die off. And you want to keep a living root in the soil to um, keep those microorganisms healthy. You don't want to lose what you've spent all season um, cultivating. Yeah, and you know, if you look at most of our cropping systems, um, what we have a 90 or 100 day growing season in Minnesota. So if you're just planting annual crops, um, corn, soybeans, or vegetables, and they're just there for the summer, then that soil basically there's no living roots in that soil for the rest of the year for those microorganisms to feed on and some of them like mycorrhizae is you know they're dependent on that symbiotic relationship with the plant and and simply um, science has yet to replicate what comes out the back end of a cow Um, it's kind of that simple Um, manure quote unquote yeah um, I like to say there are no vegan ecosystems um, and we know both from my personal experience and what I've seen on our personal farm as well as talking with other ranchers and farmers that um, something about putting livestock back on the, on the, on the land that um, fuels that biology and really, really brings that soil to life to get that healthy living soil that has the ability to um, build soil and, and um, cycle those nutrients and hold water. There's also some value in the disturbance that livestock brings to the um, to an, to an area the animals um, kind of ch- can churn up the ground a little bit with their hooves um, and they graze off certain forages um, and that s- stimulates the plants to put down more roots or it can um, even change that one little ecosystem in that one spot and that's good for diversity also and dung beetles the the little beetles that roll up the dung and bring it underground that is the 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 pinnacle of um pasture management if you have dung beetles you are um you've reached the pinnacle of of rotational grazing that's the highest standard <laughs> Dung beetles aside, looking at, um, okay, so you've got this soil that is rich. It's, 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 it's beautiful. I've heard people say that it smells like, you know, or looks like chocolate cake, crumbles around. Beautiful uh, soil, right? Um, you put your, yeah. <laughs> so we put all this effort into uh, maintaining and, and creating this uh, great uh, micro climate in the soil. Uh, Why? Who cares? So we've got great soil, okay? This is something that um, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort. Uh, What's the big deal? Why are we putting our first podcast on to this topic? Soil health. 
Yeah. Why wouldn't we? I guess would be my question. But but. Um, well, traditionally, um, well, I guess you know what I, I like. I like to talk about the four pools of energy in soil. Um, a good friend of mine, Bruce Bacon, um, liked to talk about these. Um, you know, typically in, in agriculture for the last few decades, um, our focus in, in, in nutrient management and crop growth has been on the chemistry. Um, you know, how, how the chemical nutrients cycle in the soil. And, um, you know, we got that pretty much figured out. You know, there's lots of textbooks on it. Um, college courses, uh, land-grant universities talk about it all the time. We know how to balance soils. We can do the, the lab test and... And figure out where our nutrient levels are and, and where you're short, you just add more. When I worked at the Soil and Water District, we looked at every farm management plan that, that we did included soil tests. And every soil test I looked at, there was more phosphorus in the soil than was needed to grow the crop. But that phosphorus was in an unavailable form. So instead we added, we, the recommendation was to add phosphorus. Even though there was plenty of phosphorus in the soil, it just wasn't available. So you added it in an available form. That's where the biology comes in, because the biology is the second pool of energy. It can take that unusable, non-available phosphorus and convert it to an available form. To determine the biological activity in the soil is through soil respiration tests. Um, and that's basically just breathing the respiration rate. Um, microorganisms take in or breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide just like we do. So if you can measure that, it gives you some kind of an indicator of of how alive your soil is. There's also genetic testing that they can do, mass assay genetic testing. So basically doing a soil biological profile and tell you what your bacterial fungal relationships are, um, nematode levels and, and whether they're beneficial or not, some of those kind of things. Um, so the technology and science around soil testing in the biological arena has really moved fast over the last couple of decades. Um, the third pool um, that Bruce liked to talk about was the plant exudate, and that's basically the plant snot, as Dr. Elaine Ingham would call it, and um, that serves as the as one of the main base, um, one of the main food sources for the base, the smallest microorganisms, the bio, the bacteria in the soil. Um, they feed on that plant exudate, and um, in turn, they get eaten by larger critters, and when those larger critters defecate. They release nutrients and minerals in the right balance in the right form for the plant. Um, if the if you don't have living roots in the ground, that plant exudate's not available. And like Allison said earlier, when it comes to increasing diversity, the more diverse that plant snot is, so the more diverse your plants are, the more diverse your plant snot or your plant exudate's going to be, and the more types of microbes that it can support. And the fourth pool is the carbon pool. Um, <clears throat> so the... The, the organic matter and the and the humus in the soil, um, and and how that leads to um, increased water holding capacity and and the ability to hold positive ions or your cations in the soil profile, um, some of that kind of stuff. Um, the the humic acids and the fulvic acids that break down rock and convert those into usable nutrients. So. Those are the four pools of energy, biological, chemical, plant snot or plant exudate, and the carbon pool. So I'd like to try to answer the question, 
why is soil health important? Why are these principles important? Why should we all be concerned about soil? Soil is a natural resource, just like our water, just like natural gas and oil and anything that we would mine or forests that we would manage for um, productivity. We've lost 50% of our topsoil since the Industrial Revolution, and we can't keep feeding ourselves in depleted soils. Um, these soil health principles can help us, will help us, maintain the soil that we still have and build soil um, as a natural resource. Lunch this uh, this afternoon, I, I took my mom out to the local uh, local diner. She was talking about her great grandfather and how he moved to Brandon, Minnesota, just just west of Alexandria, like 120 years ago or so. And he has implemented, up until he died, a crop rotation system, uh, something that basically respected the the soil, the land that he had, and made sure that, well, the, the things that he made, uh, think the the, the the plants that he grew were food for the cows, which was what they, they were dairy farmers. And so they would, you know, kind of go through the whole cycle of, you know, feed the cows, cows feed the, the, the soil. Um, but then uh, from what I understand, from what I've read, things changed a little bit um, in the late 60s. Uh, what I'm talking about is something called the Green Revolution. And this is kind of where um, large scale farmers uh, took it upon themselves to feed millions of people. I mean, this is a fantastic thing, but it kind of uh, in, in included uh, more technology and less reliance on, um, less reliance on uh, managing the soil and just uh, kind of outthinking how to keep up this way. Um, so what I'm saying is it seems like people have been able to, for centuries, been able to, um, take care of the soil and we just have kind of gotten away from that um, maybe you guys want to talk a little bit about how important it is to go back to maintaining how important soil health is so first off I'd like to say that societies haven't always civilization haven't hasn't always treated soil right there's a book out called 7,000 years of civilization I believe is what it's called. It was by R.D. Loudermilk. Um, he was commissioned by um, our first chief um, soil scientist of the U.S. Um, Conservation Service, Soil Conservation Service, back in the 1920s. And what Loudermilk did was travel around the world and study um, historic civilizations. Um, 7,000 years of conquest of the, le conquest of the land, 7,000 years of, of agriculture, something like that. Um, <clears throat> and basically found that, um, you know, by and large throughout history, 
um, societies fell because they didn't manage their soil properly. Soil um, is pretty important, and we don't always look at it that way. There was a study out of Ohio State University that says we've lost <clears throat> we've lost more topsoil since we've lost more carbon from our soil, from our agricultural soils than has been emitted from the burning of fossil fuels since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. One of the things that we can address, one of the issues that we have that we can address with the, um, the soil health principles is climate change and, and putting carbon back into our soil. Um, if we stopped burning fossil fuels today, we'd still have all this excess carbon in our atmosphere and in our oceans, and the best place to store that is back in our soil. So it's good for the soil, good for humankind. Sounds pretty uh, win-win, doesn't it? Uh, so you bring, I'm reading your notes here, and you say that it helps food quality. Having better soil helps, does it make the food, you know, say, is your apple going to be filled with more nutrients? Is your pea going to taste better? <laughs> Maybe I should rephrase that. <laughs> Will your snap pea snap crisper? <laughs> yeah, there's pretty solid evidence that, um, that, the more that the, that the more biologically active your soil is, and the healthier your soil is, the more nutrient dense your food is going to be. Um, there's pretty clear evidence that the quality of our produce has has declined over the centuries, or over the decades. I mean, as part of this green revolution thing, um, it's not just large scale agriculture that has adopted this. I know lots of gardeners, backyard gardeners, that just dump the ten 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 on every year, and away they go. Maybe you can describe and, what 10, 10, 10 is. Uh, N, P, and K, nutrient, um, the, the main three macronutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Um, you know, and plants will grow with those three nutrients. Um, you'll get plants, and they'll be fine. They look healthy, um, but they won't be nutrient-dense. Um, and with nutrient density comes taste and flavor and all the other phytonutrients and stuff that comes with good, healthy, um, colorful vibrant vegetables um, <clears throat> and also another thing is the water quality aspect and the ability of of um, healthy soil to hold water in the soil profile and drought proof um, agriculture so for every percent you raise organic matter in the soil profile you can hold an additional 20 to 30 thousand gallons of water per acre um, you know, so if you can raise organic matter in the soil, which we know we can through using soil health principles, you can um, you can hold a lot of, and, and expand that at, at scale to large-scale agriculture and even backyards, gardens. You can um, you can hold a lot of water and slow down the hydraulic cycle and 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 um, and make your crops more resilient to to stresses of of the weather. Well, th th now that you mention the scale, I mean, I can, I'm sure that there are some people that are listening to this that are large scale farmers, but I think that this podcast is kind of designed for people that are kind of looking into their own backyards. Um, does it make a difference if it's looking at improving our, our health, our soil health, excuse me, is it, does it matter if it's on a small scale, such as a backyard? S scale, scale doesn't matter when it comes to soil health. It's, it's, it's um, healthy soil is applicable everywhere you go um, the need for it um, the tools to get there could be different um, you know you, 
a farmer doing 3,000 acres, farming 3,000 acres, is going to use a lot different tools than somebody growing a 20 by 20 back garden in their backyard. Um, somebody growing food in their backyard can be a lot more intensive. Go to a like some of our plots out here. Go to a, a completely no-till garden and do all your um, do all your hand weeding by hand. Um, you know, farmer with 3,000 acres not going to do that. So, I mean, I guess I've seen you guys out the window during the summer uh, weeding and taking care of even our small-scale garden out here, um, and it doesn't look like you guys are having that much fun. So I totally understand. <laughs> I totally understand not wanting to, you know, implement uh, the, uh, the the, the small-scale stuff, but it seems to work, you say. I want to just go on the record here and say I always have fun in the garden. <laughs> And speaking of all of those um, different tools, we are going to springboard on to those different topics later on in our series here. Um, but this is just the groundwork, guys. I want to make sure that you know that we wanted to dive deep into this so that you understand how important it is. And topics in the future are going to rely heavy on uh, this, uh, this uh, information. So um, just know that if you're looking to get into something, uh, something more... Um, details or minute uh, information we're going to get there i just you know, we're just going to cover the the broad general strokes right now so i just want to thank you all for listening it's we're coming up a lot longer on our 20 minutes here um but this is good news good information um and uh we will see you next time if you want to find out more information about us just simply go to www.happydancingturtle.org and uh we'll see you later Yeah. <laughs>